On today's episode, our guest is Alicia Carlson. Alicia is a non-diet lifestyle coach and the founder of The Strong Her Way. Alicia helps women create a customized plan that fits into the rest of their lives and not the other way around and helps them feel better in their bodies through food, movement, mindset, and non-diet strategies. I wanted to have Alicia onto the podcast today because one of the biggest things that I know I've dealt with in my own health journey, as well as I know many of our listeners and many of my clients have dealt with, is having a fear of food. Oftentimes we go through these very long journeys and complicated changes in diets and restricted diets and elimination diets and find that no matter how specific or detailed or eliminated we are in our diet, we still feel really crappy. And eventually though, the body begins to heal and there's this opportunity for eating new foods again possibly without pain. That's the hope. That's the ideal. And that's what I've seen many of my clients do. But unfortunately, there is a huge problem of fear that happens. What if this food hurts me again? What if it sets me back? What if I find out that I really am still broken? And so I wanted to have Alicia onto the podcast today to have a conversation on how to get rid and how to walk through fear of food. Alicia had her own journey of fearing food um, by trying to control it so that her body looked a certain way, so that she could feel a certain way about her life and her success in life. And that was her journey. And as you're listening to this podcast today, I hope it gives you some insight into things that you can do and ways that you can feel and mindsets you can begin to develop so that you can also walk out of fear of food and into freedom in your body. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. Thank you for listening to the Better Belly Podcast. Just a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make changes. Awesome, guys. Well, I'm so excited to bring to you today Alicia Carlson. Alicia Carlson is a coach. Actually, Alicia, I'm very curious. I don't even think I have everything down of how you would say it in your own terms, but Alicia and I got connected. We both have podcasts and she has an incredible history history and helps other women, especially mamas, become boss ladies and really have, get control over their health. So Alicia Carlson, welcome to the Better Belly Podcast. Hey, Allison. Thanks so much for having me on today. Awesome. So Alicia, what do you do and who do you do it for? 
Uh, yeah. So I offer kind of general life coaching, but I would say that I really kind of get lit up and passionate about helping my clients in the arena of their health, their wellness, um, but really kind of from an inside out approach. So doing a lot of mindset work, a lot of body image work for sure. Um, helping my clients kind of view food and exercise in a different light. Um, really from kind of this non-diet perspective. So it's not, I mean, yes, they work on weight loss goals or, you know, physique goals and things like that. Um, but it really is about helping them kind of think about their body, think about food, think about exercise in a different way uh, that really allows them to experience more freedom. Uh, it frees up a lot of time and a lot of energy because they're not constantly thinking about their weight or their body or what to eat, what not to eat. And so it, it really just kind of allows them to show up into the rest of their lives in a more full kind of relaxed way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I know a little bit of your story, but I would love to hear and for you to share with our listeners, what led you to this work? Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, like a lot of coaches, it really did kind of start with my own personal journey. So I would say that for a majority of my life, my relationship with food and my body wasn't super healthy. Um, I mean, I can definitely kind of pinpoint seasons of my life where it was like downright abusive. If you would even go that far to say in the way that I, um, approached food, the way that I thought about my body, the way that I talked about my body. I mean, if somebody else was saying to me, the things that I would say to myself, like I would definitely not tolerate that, but, um, I spent years just kind of belittling myself, talking down to myself and, um, you know, I think that kind of the big shift for me was the year that we got engaged and we were getting ready to get married. My husband now, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to get in shape. I want to look good for the wedding. And so it was very much like perpetuated by this need to look a certain way, but looking back, it was more, I needed to feel a certain way about myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel a certain way about myself. And so I had spent years, probably almost a decade really in the health and fitness industry, um, pursuing kind of, you know, what I thought was like the ideal physique, regardless of how it was affecting me mentally, emotionally, how it was impacting my relationships. And a couple of years ago, I just had kind of this come to Jesus moment. Healthy lifestyle was really just more of a diet um, masked as a lifestyle. You know, it was like I was eating clean. I was monitoring my portions. I was doing, you know, all these supposed right things. Um, but it was very much rooted in kind of the diet mentality. So a lot of obsession around the scale, my weight my body, those kinds of things. And, uh, it was really just kind of in finding the freedom that I have now that I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, I want to help other women find this freedom and to feel more confident in their bodies, um, without it taking up so much of their life. Right. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have you onto the podcast, Alicia, is that a lot of people who struggle with health problems, like myself included, a lot of clients that I've worked with, we end up developing a lot of fears around food. Like, and there's something, there's a word that you used um, when we were talking before this um, episode of orthorexic eating. Mm -hmm. um, we know anorexic and, and, and in Latin, an or a is like lack of, um, it's, mm -hmm. it's without. And then, but ortho is, 
is like orthodoxy. So right. And this concept of like, we're trying to do everything right. We're trying to eat the low FODMAP right, or the paleo right, or the keto right, or the 30, whole 30 right. Like all these different things to get the result, whether it's just not feeling sick or looking a certain way. And like you have gone through that journey as well. And you help other people go through it as well. I'm so curious for anybody who is, um, I know a lot of times when I work with people, we get to a point where it's like, okay, your body's showing us signs that you're getting healthier and we've run the labs, we've killed the pathogens. A lot of our listeners here hear us talk about gut pathogens. They hear us talk about heavy metal toxicity and all these different things going on and things start running more smoothly. And now it's time to reintroduce. Now it is time to think about how do I know how to eat right? When you are working with someone who's in that stage, where do you begin with trying to kind of tease out how to just eat without, and and maybe even from your own story, like where did you start with just taking the first step and having a a more relaxed maybe relationship with, with food and health? Yeah. So I think real quick, just to kind of dive a little bit more into that concept of orthorexia, because I think that it is something that not a lot of people know a ton about, um, but it really is kind of this, um, obsessive, it really, it's like a disordered behavior around being healthy and healthy food. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of times it's now is even under the guise of kind of the wellness diet. So it's just, it's devoting so much time, so much energy to, you know, being the healthiest version of myself, like really doing like all of the things, like you said, like, okay, if I'm going to do this diet, and I'm going to do the detoxes and the cleanses. That is really the point that it becomes kind of unhealthy, right? It's it's where it's like disordered is because it's it's literally like wreaking havoc into other areas of your life, which um, for sure was a place that I had reached with food. Uh, I would say, especially right around um, the time that I was competing. But then again, as a mom, you know, like I was like, oh my gosh, like I just want my kids to be healthy. You know, I don't want them to, you know, have all these other issues that we're seeing with kids and stuff around food. And so it was like being super diligent, super strict about reading the labels, only eating, you know, clean foods and things like that. Um, but it, it caused a lot of stress and it caused a lot of anxiety. So I just wanted to kind of, I think, kind of give just sort of general idea of like what that is gray lines are for, you know, where it goes from just being something um, that is kind of healthy and helping you, you know, in your life to something that can be sort of disruptive in terms of how I would lead somebody sort of in this road is I am a firm believer that you actually kind of know what's best for yourself. Um, I do believe like, especially in the age of Google, we have all the information that we could ever need in terms of, you know, what's healthy, what's not like, and even just common sense. Like we kind of know, like if I eat a diet that's high in fast food, you know, what is my body not getting by having all of that fast food? So we kind of like, we know those things on, I think a basic conceptual level. Um, So it really is, I think the first step is kind of empowering my clients to actually recognize that you already kind of know, like intuitively, you know, from a logical perspective, you know, because of all the information that is floating around the world about food, about exercise, about health behaviors and things like that. Um, So it really is just kind of um, helping your clients, helping my clients kind of build this confidence of like, you can make these decisions for yourself. And I'm here to just kind of help you sort of navigate and guide you through this process. 
And then, you know, let's just kind of uncover what a healthy, balanced lifestyle would actually look like for you in the context of the rest of your life. So like your family life, your work life, um, your social life, you know, we have to kind of take all of these different areas of somebody's humanness, I guess, and their life into consideration um, rather than just being like, well, cut all these foods out, stop eating this, don't do that. Like that's the methodology that's being used and it's not obviously working. So I'm so curious, what did that look like in your own life? You've kind of said that being engaged was the first time, this first moment where you're like, oh, I cannot like let these thoughts keep going on in my mind. These very intense thoughts that we can get about ourselves of like, you're doing it wrong. It's all your fault. Or like, we didn't even get into specifics. I know I've dealt with that. I'm also an Enneagram one. I shared about that on the podcast a lot. Do you know what Enneagram number you are, Alicia? (laughs) Um, I've done the testing a couple different times and I always come out a three. So like when I see some of the characteristics of a three, I'm like, Oh, like I could certainly see some of those things in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the Enneagram and so I don't want to, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but that does great hope for anybody who's a three and they're listening. We can know that, that, but the threes are known as achievers. So you guys love getting stuff done. You like efficiency. You like being able to produce things and then ones like myself, we just were really motivated to do things right and have everything done correctly. So anyways, being sidetracked, you you got engaged and then you were like, okay, I've got all these negative thoughts that I wouldn't let anybody else <laughs> say to me, um, but I'm saying them to myself. What was your path after that of healing for you? So I would say like, the journey really has been like the last 13 years. So from getting engaged to now, and I think that's something that is important to highlight because I feel like we want change and we want it fast. And we want um, for a lot of people too, like just depending on how much suffering you're experiencing because of how you think or feel or really believe is the truth about who you are and your body. We're so desperate for something to just like make us feel better in the moment. But the reality is, is that we have been sort of indoctrinated, you know, like we've been, we've grown up in this culture that really has a very strong idea about what is right for a body or what is wrong for a woman's body or how we should and shouldn't be eating what we should and shouldn't look like. So you have to, I think also kind of be willing to give yourself a little bit of grace and patience in that the journey is going to take a long time to kind of unfold all these different thoughts and these, these beliefs that you have about yourself, especially like the more true that you think it is, the more time it's going to take to kind of work through that potentially. Um, So I think for me, you know, really this journey has been something that has been unfolding for the last 13 years. And um, I was, I mean, really up until the last three years is where I kind of just recognized the shift of like, wait a minute, like all these things that I'm kind of thinking about myself or thinking about my body or thinking that I need to lose a little bit more weight. There's nothing that really says that any of that is actually true. Hmm. Like, even if I were to look at a BMI scale, or even if I, you know, were to go to the doctor and he would be like, Hey, for your height and your weight, like you're a little bit overweight. Like, even that is not necessarily true. Like, if you really started to dive deep, it's like, Okay, well, how do you know what's actually like the healthy right weight for my body? Sure. My body is unique it really kind of helped to just start to even just recognize that like all of this stuff is kind of up for grabs in the sense that like none of it is an absolute truth. 
And that for me was really interesting because then I could kind of start to play with some of these thoughts that I was having repeatedly about my body, you know, like, oh, my thighs are too big or, you know, my belly, like whatever, like is saggy from kids or, you know, like whatever those thoughts were, it's like, wait a minute, like these are all kind of optional. I mean, sure. Somebody could maybe like look and observe. I mean, I guess your thighs are bigger than somebody else's, but it just wasn't necessarily the truth. So it was really kind of starting to pull some of these thoughts into um, more conscious awareness and then start to kind of question them. And like, where did they come from? Um, Is it actually true? Is it something that is, you know, like helping me? Is it something that is like allowing me to show up in my life and in this world in a way that benefits others or not? And then that was really where it was like, once I realized that I had a choice about what I was believing about myself, that was really kind of where I think a lot of that freedom came from. I love that. You said um, just now that you had a choice about what you believe about yourself. And prior to that, I'd written down that you said, the more true you think something is, the harder it is to stop believing it, to to do anything Mm -hmm. about it. And that is mindset 101 that we actually, when we reinforce and justify and say, well, um, and this can be for any part of life. Um, I've done lots of different things with money mindset, with relationships, like I'm not worth a healthy relationship or I'm not, um, this isn't possible for me or, um, but the more true you think something is, is I have to eat this way. I have to, I have to live this way. This is my only option. Not going to look for other options. You're not even going to try. It's, um, you actually, shut down. I I actually have some training and background in psychology and how the brain works. And you shut down your right brain when you say, I can't do that, or that's not possible because your right brain is creative and problem solving. Your right brain is also relationship related. And when you, when you just say that's not possible, it just shuts down. And so we lose our ability to think, well, what if, what if actually my body's okay? What if um, this thing won't hurt me. Um, and we, we lose that wonder and that curiosity. Um, and then for you, sounds like you're a big breakthrough for you and a break, big breakthrough you try to get for your clients is believing that you have a choice about what, what you believe about your body. Um, you have a choice about what you believe, period. Um, can you think of any like specific, because we've been kind of talking about beliefs and, and things that we believe Um, And also just like negative things that we say to ourselves. Can you share any that um, either you find are common with the women that you work with or that you personally wrestled with and how you changed those beliefs and what they are now? A common one, especially when I'm working with my clients around like their body image or, you know, weight loss and things like that. It's the, the idea or the thought that I need to lose weight. I need to lose 20 pounds. I need to lose, you know, 10 pounds or um, whatever, because the reality is, is that you don't actually need to lose any weight, regardless of how much you weigh, right? Like it's not an actual need that you have. It's a thought that your brain is like, your mind is sort of generating based on what you believe to be true about the weight that you are now and the weight that would be kind of, you know, quote unquote, appropriate weight for you. Right. So it's like this, having this idea of, oh, this is what I should weigh. This is what I should look like, but this is what I weigh now. This is what I look like now. And so we kind of come up with the thought of like, oh, I need to, you know, lose weight in order to kind of fit this mold or fit this expectation that I have for myself. Um, So I I would say that is probably one of the most common thoughts that I 
encounter with my clients, um, especially when we're talking about like health and fitness goals, um, weight loss goals. It's just this, I need to lose weight or I, I need to do this. Um, and that was certainly one that I always had for myself. It was like, regardless of what I looked like, there was sort of this disconnect of what was happening in my brain. So it was like, even, you know, after stepping off stage in, in a figure competition at 9% body fat, like I would still look at my body and think that there were things that needed to be improved or, you know, I needed to kind of lean out a little bit more or bring up this part of my body. And so there was kind of like this rub or this friction between reality and what my brain was sort of um, like, I guess, essentially just the story that my mind was telling me. Um, so I, I would say like, those are a lot of the common thoughts. It's, it's just like picking on your body, picking on your weight um, and just recognizing that all of those are completely optional. Um, they are essentially just kind of brought into your awareness based around a story, like I said, that you have about what you should and shouldn't look like or how you should and shouldn't be in the world. And when you recognize that none of that is, you know, factual or like actual truth, then you can kind of start to play around with those thoughts a little bit. But first you have to be become, I think, more aware of what it is that you're thinking on a daily basis. Um, because for so many people, it's the story that they've been listening to for so long that they don't even recognize yeah. that they're listening to it anymore. Yes, yes. Those are the most dangerous voices, the ones that we we don't hear, the ones that they're just the normal background noise, the normal day-to-day um, -day thoughts. And we also, one of the things that can make hardest things hardest to get rid of that is we're so used to it. It feels weird to not have it. Do you remember a point in time ever realizing like, oh, wow, that voice is significantly less stronger or I haven't heard it in a while or I don't hear it as frequently? Did you, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I'm curious. I am trying to remember if there was a point where I could sort of pinpoint, you know, where I was like talking about myself so negatively all the time or thinking about myself so negatively and again, I think it was kind of a subtle shift. Um, I think, you know, the first thing was, like I said, I remember specifically being super insecure about my legs. I'm not a super tall person, um, but I've been gifted with some very like muscular legs. And so I have always felt kind of insecure about my height to leg, <laughs> leg size ratio. <laughs> and I just used to like, you know, rag on my inner thighs or rag on, you know, the cellulite on my butt or on my, you know, the backs of my legs. And it was almost like the more that I thought about that, this is going to sound crazy. I mean, probably not to you, but it was like the more time I spent thinking about it, it almost seemed like the bigger my thighs got or the more cellulite I had. And I remember it was like somebody that I was following on Instagram or um, I was reading a book that she had written. And she had talked about, or they had sort of brought up this idea of like, you know, what you focus on expands. And so it was this concept of like, oh, like the more that I focus on and whether or not like my legs actually got bigger or there was more cellulite in my mind, there was. So that was the reality that I was going off of. So then it was kind of like, okay, well, maybe if I just stopped thinking about my legs as much, like maybe it would go away or it would be less. and 
without sounding like so crazy, it seemed like it was maybe like over a couple months thinking about my legs as much. And then I kind of caught a glimpse of my legs one day in the mirror. And I was like, wow, like, it seems like I have less cellulite, or it seems like my thighs are a little bit smaller. And it was just something that I had that wasn't in my awareness anymore to be thinking so much about all the things that I didn't like about my legs that whether or not the legs actually changed my perspective of them did. And that changed my whole reality of how I viewed that part of my body. Yes. And I love what you're saying. Perspective changes so much. Like there's one part where we, we want to measure, we want to keep track of reality in different ways and make sure we're not getting sick, make sure we're making the right choices. But then perspective really can change like where we're maybe never healthy enough. We're never, um, it's never good enough. I know that I've gone through those experiences where um, I specifically had one summer in college where I was in the middle of the Black Hills for a whole summer. And I, there, I mean, we were in cabins. I was doing it for school credits um, to get some science credits out of the way. And we would just go on hikes every day to go explore the geology of the Black Hills and would do all this stuff. And there was one mirror, there was one mirror, like full length mirror available in this like big girl's bathroom. And it was like, we were either too busy, never used it, whatever. And I remember getting home at the end of the year, feeling like I took a shower and felt like I got grime out of my (laughs) body and my skin and my hair for the first time in months. And I like looked at myself, I was like, holy cats, I I look totally different. I didn't ever worry. I just, I just ate however hungry I felt because I mean, we were walking around all the time. I was like, man, I need to, I need to make sure I'm not hungry. And um, it was just probably very regular, very average cafeteria type food that, that we were being fed. And I didn't have a lot of control over what was being fed or what ingredients were being put into the food. Um, But it was a, it was one of those moments where I remember thinking that was probably the most free I'd ever felt where I just hadn't, it didn't even occur to me. And and I didn't go there for the purpose of like not thinking about my body. I had no idea that was about to happen to me, but I I had so much more peace about it. And I don't know if you, I'm so curious. Actually, this is such a side thought. I have not owned a scale since college and I just went to get a health checkup. And every time I get a health checkup now, I'm like, I have no idea how much I weigh. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? But I don't own a scale. I'm sitting here thinking, I every time I leave, I'm like, maybe I should buy one. But I'm so curious, do you ever talk about like not like throwing your scale away or something and just seeing what happens? Or is that that's just something that's in the side thought, a kind of funny thought that came to mind? Yeah. So I have kind of different thoughts about the scale. And I think for everybody, their, their work and like their area of growth is going to be a little bit different. So, Mm. and I think like there are different seasons, right? So I did, when I kind of shifted into more of like a non-diet mentality around food and exercise and wasn't really doing things like necessarily for a specific weight loss goal, I pretty much like ditched the scale I stopped like paying attention to anything that I was going to eat. Like I really just kind of went to, I don't want to say the other extreme, but I was like, you just need to learn how to like eat food and not stress out about it or Mm. eat food and not think, you know, subconsciously about calories or about, you know, how much weight I'm going to gain or I'm being bad, you know, like just kind of clear out all of this diet mentality. So I went for probably about a year 
where I did, I would say a little bit more of kind of like the intuitive eating, um, where I read the book, you know, just worked through some of the exercises that they had in their workbook, um, to really just kind of, I think, come out of the diet mentality a little bit. And then actually a couple months ago, so this year, um, I was like, okay, I realized that I'm just kind of avoiding the scale and I wanted to sort of figure out why, um, because I think sometimes we can just be like, okay, I'm just like, who cares what the scale says? I'm just not going to pay attention to it. And I think we can kind of go into sort of this avoidance hmm. and we still maybe have some of those thoughts or some of those feelings about tying our value and our worth to the number, but it's easy to just not think about that if we're not weighing ourselves. And so um, I have been doing some work with my own coach this year And so for me, one of the areas that I felt like I wanted to grow in was I wanted to just see still like, where was I kind of subconsciously tying my value or my worth to the number on the scale? So I went from not weighing myself for over a year to using the scale again. And really just like every time I step on the scale, it's recognizing that the number that's on there is just data. So like Mm. what it says, says nothing about who I am as a person, you know, my education, my skill level, my ability to be successful or to be seen as beautiful. It has nothing to do with any of that or my value as a person. So seeing that number, it just allowed me to kind of get back on there and see like, you know, there were a few times I remember getting on and kind of feeling anxious. And I was like, oh, well, that's a clue that I still have some thoughts about how my weight is sort of tied into you know, my value and my worth. And so I think just kind of depending on where you're at with your relationship with the scale, I think for some people, it it is helpful to take a break from it or to just like not weigh yourself. But I would still encourage you to kind of think through the process of making that decision. And like, why is it? Are you just doing it to avoid the uncomfortable feelings that it brings up? And then you're kind of leaving a lot of your personal growth and your personal development on the scale, so to speak, because it will bring up those uncomfortable emotions or those thoughts. Um, And if we just avoid it, we don't get the chance to deal with that. Um, For other people, it might be like, okay, well, let's get back on the scale and let's just see what comes up for us. Let's see what emotions come up. Let's see, what am I still thinking about this number? What am I still making this mean about myself? Um, And then that is an indicator of like, okay, this is where some of that growth is for you. I love hearing that. I'm glad I brought that up because I really loved all your thoughts on that. It it could be really helpful for anyone who's thinking about, um, and again, a lot of our listeners tend to be, well, am I healthy? Am I not? Like, how do I measure it? And when you have dysbiotic microbiome in your gut, like whenever you have hormones that are out of balance and you're working through that, like you are more prone to having weight problems, either not being able to gain weight or having too much weight. It has nothing to do with your willpower or how strict or firm you are able to be or how perfect you can eat. It can really how good of a person you are. Yeah. And your value and all those other things. I've talked on this podcast before a lot about willpower and how a lot of times we find that when somebody, when we actually get rid of a root um, irritator, irritant in the body, and that can, that can be pathogens, that can be hormone imbalance, that can be um, systemic inflammation, and we get rid of that, um, a lot of times our clients suddenly don't need to use nearly as much willpower to get out of bed in the morning, to not eat sugary foods, 
to not like, we don't even realize we, we tie all this self-worth and self-value to, to our decisions or to our ability to do certain things where sometimes like, that's just not true. There's either something else going on in the body, which is what we see a lot, or even for you, it's like what you talk with your clients a lot about. It's like, it's just not true. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love your, love your thoughts there on the scale. I'm so curious. I would love one of the things I always invite our speakers and guests to share about is any favorite testimonials you have from clients, just things that every time you think of that client, it makes you happy or just like things that happen that you were not expecting to happen where um, it was uh, just like really amazing turnaround or I'm, I'm so curious, like, could you share some of your favorite testimonials? Um, yeah. So actually one of the clients that I am working with right now, um, she has had quite a journey. She's actually, she's in her fifties and she is a war vet. Um, she's an ex police officer. She's really had, um, she's lived a lot of life, I guess. Um, and she ended up really finding herself struggling with alcohol addiction. And so she went into kind of a deep, she had this period of time where just abusing alcohol in this deep depression, uh, dealing with, you know, PTSD from, you know, previous experiences with sexual assault and all these different kinds of things and ended up gaining a ton of weight um, over this time period. And when her and I had first started working together, she was like, yeah, like I've tried all these different things. I've done, you know, the CrossFit. I've like really been super strict about my food intake. And I think an important thing to just kind of note here is that the scale is most certainly not the only indicator of health. Um, And oftentimes like it can be sort of misleading, right? So it's like, we think if we lose weight, we're automatically getting healthier. (laughs) If we gain weight, we're automatically not as healthy as we were. So again, that's where I think your weight is literally like just a piece of data. It's not really anything else. And so it can be a part of a bigger puzzle. But when we look at just the weight loss or the weight gain in and of itself, we miss everything else that's happening. So I just wanted to say that there. And so, you know, her and I started working together and initially she came to me because she wanted to um, lose the weight she had. I think it was like 20 or 40 pounds that she wanted to lose. Um, But ironically, like we really didn't even tackle a lot of that. Like for her, It was really more about finding some routine in her life, especially with COVID. She had all these different, you know, volunteer things that she was involved in. Her life was kind of going. And then with COVID, all of a sudden life isn't going normally anymore. So finding some sense of normality for her. Um, And in the process of us kind of working together, she's been able to drop almost 30 of those pounds And it's in a way that feels like sustainable. It feels doable because she also has that tendency to kind of go into that overly obsessive about eating a specific way, working out a certain way. Um, And so for her, a lot of the work has been like, okay, how do we get you to a place where exercise can just be a part of your lifestyle without being this ball and chain or this thing that you're obsessing about? And same with her food, right? Like, how do you make some healthy food choices without it becoming this thing that's like super obsessive, super compulsive, um, and this thing that really just kind of takes over a ton of your life? So it's been really fun to kind of work with her um, and help her kind of navigate, um, you know, really breaking this plateau that 
she's been experiencing for several years. And the most fun thing is that it really wasn't like even the focus or hasn't been the focus of our work together. So it was just sort of this um, fun, I guess, kind of byproduct to just see her kind of, um, you know, making some choices that really feel super easy and doable for a long period of time. Um, another client that comes top of mind, her and I worked together last year and she, again, has that tendency of like being super obsessive, kind of perfectionistic about her food, um, really controlling. So like when things in her life felt out of control or felt really uncertain, that's when she noticed that she would be more inclined to like, try to be super controlling around her food and really monitor what she was eating and how she was working out and her weight. And so through our work together, she has been able to relax a little bit more about, you know, food and around exercise and really kind of take a step back and look at her life in the context of the whole of things and, you know, be more aware and more mindful for sure about the choices. But for her, her work has been also kind of like, you know, let's just relax a little bit. Let's, you know, find something that will work for the long term. And then I think the biggest work for her was recognizing how much she was trying to control her life through controlling her body and her food and things like that. Awesome. I love both of those stories. And just, I mean, you sounds like you work with a wide variety of ages and backgrounds and experience. I loved hearing those stories. I, I love the human side of things where it's not just in theory, we do these things and they're supposed to help, but real life human people who have real struggles and really reach out to um, somebody to support them, you know, whether that's you or any of our other guests who've come on or myself and just knowing that for all of our listeners that takes courage to reach out to someone. It takes a small enough amount of belief in yourself that things can change and um, that someone can help you. And um, I'm so encouraged just hearing those stories again. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's that's the main thing that's sticking out to me is how powerful that is that people really can find freedom in their health. Yeah, I think it it is so fun to see my clients transform and to just see like even those little baby transformations from you know, one week to the next and just these little micro shifts and um, how like their identity almost even, or like their self-concept or their self-efficacy and that self-belief, right? It's, it's not just like the, the transformation that comes at the end or that comes, you know, several months later, I think being a coach and being on that journey with my clients is one of the biggest privileges of my life. Awesome. Well, Alicia, I am curious, do you, for any of our listeners who want to connect with you, follow you, see what you got going on, where can we find you online? Uh, yeah, so I am spending a lot of time between Facebook and Instagram. If you just search Alicia Carlson, unfortunately, I'm not the only Alicia Carlson out there, so you might have to do a little bit of digging. And then I also am on my podcast. So the strong her way that's available on all major platforms. And we really just kind of dive into like the mindset, the habits, behaviors, all of those kinds of things around nutrition movement. Um, and then just like overall life transformation. So again, you know, I think who like our health and our wellness is definitely an important part of our lives, but it's only a part. And so, you know, on the stronger way, we really just kind of dive into all those different facets. Awesome. 
So good. So if any of you want to listen more to Alicia, tips she has, her stories, all those different things, you can check out the Strong Her. Sounds like there's a her in there. Strong Her way. Yes. It's like Strong Her. Yep. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for coming on to the Better Belly podcast. I have loved being able to share this and I hope that our listeners will be able to really take away and start just a little munchy to think on any limiting beliefs that they have, anything they have going on um, and being able to find more freedom in food. Thank you so much again, Allison, for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, guys, I hope that you love this episode with Alicia Carlson. If you want to connect with her at all, see what else she's doing, you can follow the links in the show notes below. We have a link to her website and her Instagram, and you can follow her there and see what she is up to. But if you love this episode or if you've been loving what we've been doing, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a single of our episodes. And if you thought of a friend while listening to this episode, take a screenshot and share it with them. I cannot count how many times when I'm telling someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. And I'm getting more and more stories of people sharing our podcast and it really impacting families, friends, nieces, neighbors, all sorts of things. And so if you've thought of someone, send that friend a love note to their gut with a screenshot of this episode and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review on Apple iTunes podcasts. If you're listening somewhere else, but you've been loving our stuff, you just hop on there and leave a review. It is so helpful for other people to find what we do. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners, having conversations, hearing what you're struggling with and seeing if there's any way that we can help. If we might be the next best team member to add to your healthcare team, you can set up a 30 minute free consultation call in the links below. I would love to talk with you and see if there's any way that we can get you support and help and healing. And as we end, just remember our mantra that we share every time miracles are immediate, but healing takes time.